Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Lahari Rampur. Uh, She's a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Medicine, Division of Allergy and Infectious Diseases at University of Washington. I'm going to talk about uh, allergies and uh, immune disorders. Um, Lahari specializes in treating um, disorders like food allergies, drug allergies, seasonal allergies, asthma, insect allergies, etc. Lahari, thanks for coming. Thanks for inviting me, Richard. Yeah, so do you, uh, is your work mostly clinical, seeing patients, or are you doing research as well? I do mostly uh, clinical work, uh, but I also do some research uh, um, in terms of antibiotic allergies and uh, helping the institution coming up with the right uh, protocol to uh, treat patients with antibiotic allergies. So these are antibiotics you take when you get sick? And people develop allergies to them? Yes, uh, many people have a history of allergic reactions to penicillins and various antibiotics. Uh, what happens is when they get hospitalized, uh, because of uh, their history, uh, people need to get uh, um, alternative antibiotics, which um, may not be the, uh, the best thing to do because they have, they're more expensive at times, uh, they can cause side effects. So it's important to uh, really choose or um, identify who are actually allergic and who are not. So in those situations, uh, we need certain type of protocols and guidelines and uh, to see who are really allergic. Uh, this is part of antimicrobial stewardship where infectious disease specialists and pharmacists are involved. And I, I also have a role um, uh, to help uh, develop guidelines and protocols in the institution. That's what I meant when I said research. Okay. So, um... What happens when uh, somebody gets an allergy to an antibiotic? I mean, is it a real serious, uh, acute type of thing where they have to quickly help the person? Or, you know, what happens to people in general? Uh, so there are different types of allergic reactions. Uh, yes, people uh, can have severe reactions uh, like anaphylaxis. People can get hives and swelling, swelling of their throat and breathing difficulty. They can faint and people can even die. Um, fortunately, it's not very, uh, the, the mortality is not very high, but people can have a severe reaction. The other types of severe reactions are blistering skin reactions. Uh, sometimes it can also affect your organs like kidney and um, uh, liver. Uh, those type of reactions are rare as well. But, but the most common type of reactions um, are rashes and uh, having, you know, flushing and itching type of reactions. They're pretty common to uh, different medications. So what's, uh, what's to be learned about these uh, allergies so far? Are there commonalities or does it seem to be very person-specific? Uh, they're person-specific, uh, but in my experience, most of the people who are who had a specific allergy uh, many years ago to any antibiotic are eventually able to take it. About 10% of the population or uh, patients that we see report some type of uh, uh, drug allergies, but uh, more than 90% are able to take it. Um, so uh, mo- most are mild, and they we can eventually introduce the same antibiotics that they were allergic to. 
sometimes after testing and sometimes even without testing, just based on the history of mild or minor reactions. Are you correlating, uh, let's say, someone's microbiome with an allergic reaction? Is that being studied? Yes, there are a lot of studies on um, uh, microbiome and how having certain type of microbiome predisposes you to develop uh, allergic conditions. Uh, may not be specific allergy like peanut and uh, other foods and specific drug allergies, but overall, uh, the tendency to develop allergies in the future, like eczema, asthma, and seasonal allergies. These, this is some. Uh, it's, it's called the allergic march. Um, so. People have uh, studied um, about microbiome, which in influences one's um, tendency to develop allergies in their life. All right. So what, uh, what other kinds of allergies are, you, know, you run into most of all? Is it asthma or you know, food allergies? Yes. Um, I do uh, see different types of food allergies, uh, whether it's a minor allergy or a severe type of anaphylaxis to various types of food, uh, drugs that I already discussed. We also uh, treat patients with uh, bee sting allergies, um, help uh, do skin testing and evaluate them further. And we do see seasonal allergies, environmental allergies, uh, um, uh, like pollen, mold, dust mites, cat, dog, uh, how uh, this also affects asthma, and we uh, help uh, treat patients with asthma. And we also treat patients with skin disorders, like contact allergy. We can do patch testing to help them with uh, um, to find out contact allergens, and we uh, treat patients with eczema. So uh, these are the type of allergic conditions we uh, treat. So what's the new science saying about uh, some of these allergic conditions? Where do they come from? What modulates them? Um, it's, the, it's your genetics. Uh, if you have a family history, if your parents um, have allergies or asthma, you're much more likely to develop allergies. Uh, but there is also an environmental influence on genetically predisposed person. Um, let's say you're exposed to a lot of dust mites and um, maybe pollution, um, um, smoking, you know, maternal smoking has also uh, been um, studied as a, a correlating factor for development of allergies in uh, kids. Uh, so there are various factors. Genes are the number one uh, reason. You're genetically predisposed, uh, but there are also environmental influences. Well, if genetics is the main reason, why would people develop allergies or over time uh, lose their allergies? That would Correct. be epigenetics at best, right? Yes, yes. Um, that's what I meant to say. Environmental influence on genetically predisposed uh, people, um, epigenetics also play a huge role. So what are the most urgent aller allergies to look at? Which ones are, let's say, either on the rise or really prevalent that need to be addressed? Um, so these days, uh, food allergies are becoming more common for reasons which are not very clear. Um, maybe it's a hygiene hypothesis uh, where people studied kids in uh, Europe, you know, people who uh, were living in the farm. Uh, they have lesser amount of allergies compared to people who are uh, living in the urban areas. I don't know if whether it is the uh, hygiene hypothesis that is being studied, uh, whether it's the microbiome. Uh, so food allergies have been on a raise. Um, um, and asthma, severe asthma is another allergic condition um, that needs to be addressed, especially in uh, inner city population. So what's being done? Uh, is, is, it, is it really important, there, you know, therefore, uh, to sequence someone's genetics when they have an allergic reaction and then maybe sequence their whole family or... Like, what's the protocol where you could quickly figure out what might be going on with someone and what to do? 
Um, so typically we don't go into genetics when it comes to allergic reactions. We simply try to find out what they might be allergic to so that we can help them uh, better, uh, maybe to avoid or even to desensitize or uh, recommend immunotherapy to certain environmental that, uh, allergens that they have. We typically don't test the genetics because even if you find out where it is coming from or why they're having, uh, you're not able to change that part. Hence, we don't typically do a genetic analysis in people with allergies. It's for immune deficiency and immunological disorders. We consider genetic studies, not so much for allergies. But if someone has allergies, what do you do to treat them then? If, if, the, if genetics are a big role and then mm -hmm. you don't look at their genes, I mean, how do you treat them effectively then? Okay, so let, uh, let's say uh, somebody went to a restaurant, had an allergic reaction immediately, like hives and lip swelling, they're not able to breathe. Uh, they ate 10 different types of things. We asked them what exactly they ate, and uh, we test them for those things that they ate. And if something stands out or com uh, comes back significantly positive, we can tell them, ah, you came back positive to fish or shellfish or something that they need to avoid. So they can be careful and look for ingredients. So when it comes to pollen and dust mites, some people really do suffer and have a you know, poor quality of life in the season or throughout the year with headaches and sinus issues and whatnot. Uh, if we find out that they're positive to, let's say, pollen or dust mites or uh, 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 pet dander, we can give them allergy shots. So we mix the things that they're allergic to and we keep giving in the form of shots to reduce their sensitivities. We train their immune system to um, um, not to react the way it was reacting. Or we can also uh, recommend some dust mite control measures, which are uh, proven to be beneficial in patients who suffer uh, with dust mite allergy. So it, each person is different. Uh, when it comes to anaphylaxis to bee stings or any type of insect stings, um, the chances of having a severe life-threatening reaction in the future in a patient who has had a, a history of se uh, severe systemic reaction is very high. So in those patients, we test them. If they're positive, we can also give allergy shots, which significantly reduces their chance of a future uh, reaction in the future, um, if we start them on the shots. Oh, why do, why do allergy shots work? How do they work and what do they do? Um, so allergy shots are... Um, a way of treating uh, it's it's a way of tra training your immune system converting them from allergic to non-allergic uh, type of cells uh, through um, release of various types of chemicals called cytokines um, um, so there are allergy causing molecules um, there there uh, there are molecules or cells that build tolerance so it's slowly deviating the immune system from being allergic to non-allergic um, so if you were able, if, if, if you were, um, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying to do this, but if you're allergic to something, could mm -hmm. you expose yourself to like a minute amount of it, you know, every day and slowly build up more and more of it until you're immune to it? Um, if you had a real, you know, significant allergic reaction to something, we wouldn't advise doing that because there is risk of developing an uh, allergic reaction. We sort of do it in a controlled uh, setting and with uh, uh, precise, precisely calculated doses of allergens. Uh, since you cannot control that at home, I wouldn't do that. But for pollen allergies, I know people uh, uh, talk about local honey and things like that. I think it's one way of developing tolerance to pollens if you're allergic to any. Um, people do that, but uh, for food allergies, I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing that at home. Well, it could be so dangerous that you could, you know, Correct. 
easily knock yourself yes. off. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> what, so what's the difference between a pollen response or a dust mite or mold and um, a food allergy? Why do food allergies seem to be so acute and so uh, strong? So there are different types of cells that are involved, uh, whether it's airway or um, um, in the gut. So when you're eating an allergen, the way it is processed and given to the immune system is uh, different compared to a uh, uh, way it is processed and uh, you know given to the immune system in the airway. And the cells that uh, cause an allergic reaction, like mast cells and basophils, they are also a little bit different when it comes to airway and the gut. And, and that's why it can be uh, a different type of reaction. Okay, so do people tend to have allergic reactions both ways? I mean, you're not eating pollen, but in a way maybe you, yeah, even even minute, minute amounts, I guess, or not. But um, what if you have a um, a food allergy? Can you, let's say it's the peanuts, could you, mm-hmm. I don't know, smell some volatilized peanut essence and build up a tolerance that way? Would that be a safer way of, you know, getting you used to it instead of like eating a minute bit of peanut? Like how have uh, protocols been developed to uh, get people over really bad allergies, if at all? Uh, for peanuts, we have uh, peanut uh, patches and sublingual tablets. Uh, they are um, extensively studied these days, um, and uh, people are using these to develop tolerance to peanut allergies. But uh, not, um, I, I, I'm not aware of anything uh, that can cause tolerance through in- inhalation. Um, uh, I, I don't think uh, that's um, uh, that's being studied. Well, I guess it wouldn't be the primary mechanism that in which you experience the allergies. So maybe it makes no sense. I don't know. I just wonder if there's a way to, you know, to do that. Um, I don't know. Could you inject yourself with, with something uh, related to peanuts, for instance, and do it that way? You know, could it be administered that way? But you're saying sublingual is what the preference is right now. So it's, it's similar to the route Correct. by which you get the allergy. Okay. The chance of having a reaction to any food uh, um, um, or anything by injecting is a lot more compared compared to um, taking it orally, you know, even if it's an IV antibiotic or an oral antibiotic, the chance of having a reaction when you're receiving um, IV is higher compared to taking it oral. Um, And also um, tolerance to food or anything can be, um, let's say you're inhaling something, um, a pollen allergies. So we don't necessarily uh, do the immunotherapy through inhalation mode because that can build uh, allergies. Um, as opposed to that, if you inject the allergen, the immune system uh, perceives it in a different way so that it can build tolerance. It can train a totally different set of uh, um, cells to develop tolerance. And that's what is the idea. Yeah, the way which, to um, to the immune system matters the most. Well, forget my bad idea of injecting. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good question. You are asking all smart questions. <laughs> but beyond that, beyond that, um, are there, like, which cells in the body tend to be the best reporters to other cells and to help build, you know, immunity to a given insult? You know, are um, there certain cell types identified or does it just depend on the allergy or? Um, so there are uh, cells, um, antigen presenting cells. Uh, they are called dendritic cells. They, uh, anything that we eat, uh, they are presented to the immune system. Um, so there are there is a crazy amount of uh, um, detailed reactions happening in the immune system. Um, why in some you know it, it depends on what kind of chemicals are released. Cytokines are released. Cytokines are some kind of messengers. Depending on what type of messenger is released after you ingest something, 
specific cells are um, attracted to the area um, to cause the allergic reaction. Um, so, it, and so to answer to your question, there are different types of cells uh, which present the allergens or an antigen to the immune system, but having a reaction or not is genetically predisposed and you know epigenetics also play into uh, play the role um, um, but there is like at the molecular level the, the crazy amount of things happening in the immune system right that's true any any breakthroughs that are being tested right now that seem to hold a lot of promise that we may see clinically soon that you think are important and, and why um, in terms of allergies uh, one of the things that are um, uh, being, uh, you know, more and more things that are coming these days are biologic medications. These are the uh, medications which specifically act on certain molecules, uh, for example, asthma. Um, asthma, there are different uh, types of asthma phenotypes, uh, whether it is one uh, type of cell called eosinophilic uh, um, pathway, which causes um, asthma or allergy pathways. Allergy antibodies are IgE antibodies. So we have antibodies that block the IgA antibodies. For example, uh, an injection called Zola or Amelizumab. Uh, this is designed to block IgA anti antibodies. Uh, there are a wide variety of anti-eosinophilic um, antibodies that are being uh, developed. Uh, we, um, the exciting thing is that uh, we classify asthma into different phenotypes, whether it's an allergic, non-allergic, eosinophilic, non-eosinophilic. And we can pick and choose these uh, monoclonal antibodies or biologic uh, medications. So that's actually exciting. And uh, we have uh, more to come in the next uh, few years. Um, and that's exciting about treating allergic disorders. Um, and when it comes to immune deficiencies, there are other cool things that are uh, being developed as well. Um, we haven't talked much about immune deficiency, but for so far for allergies, it's the um, um, advances in understanding the molecular basis of uh, uh, how the immune system reacts to various allergens and specifically targeting certain molecules is the exciting part right now. Well, what happens typically in an immune reaction right now? Let's say, um, you know, food allergy. Why would someone's throat swell closed? Why would they, uh, you know, have this such severe reaction? Like what's going on, you know, biologically with them that causes these problems? Um, so, um, when uh, you're having an allergic reaction, uh, the simple, in, to over, overly simplify, uh, mast cell and basophils are the allergy-causing cells. So they store, or dif they store different types of chemicals, uh, most commonly histamine and tryptase, and these are the chemicals that are released, um, and various types of prostaglandins are released from the mast cells and basophils. These chemicals have various functions. They enlarge the blood vessels. They make the blood vessels more permeable. Uh, there is um, a oozing of liquid from the blood vessel. So these are the things that give rise to uh, flushing and itching and swelling of the local area. If the swelling occurs on the skin, it is, um, it's called angioedema or, uh, or skin and the underlying tissue. Uh, you could get hives or angioedema. If the same thing is happening in your throat, um, which causes swelling, uh, I mean, it may cause swelling and uh, sensation of throat closing and shortness of breath. Well, very good. Hari, what do you think is going to be possible in the next few years? I mean, do you think that, yes, maybe there's new treatments coming, but is the allergy situation worsening? 
or is it is it kind of the same as it always was? I mean, I know it's probably changing, but do you do you see that uh, we have to hurry up and get some better science to treat these things because they're they're growing, or like what's your overall feel? So overall, the allergies have increased. Um, 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 whether we are, uh, I don't know whether it is uh, because we are diagnosing and uh, diagnosing and uh, are able to find more patients, or whether it is um, change climate changes uh, leading to more allergies, or whether it's hygiene hypothesis, we don't know, but allergies are on the rise. Um, I think uh, scientifically, I mean, um, in, in terms of uh, uh, finding treatment and understanding uh, the pathways, uh, people are uh, doing amazing jobs. Um, but uh, I think uh, the one of the biggest challenges is that uh, it's, it's impossible to um, prevent or completely stop uh, the allergens, allergies from occurring. Um, it, it's important to understand the molecular basis to um, treat them better, but it's, it's not, I don't think you can completely prevent um, allergies. Um, there are certain measures that you can uh, take. There, there are also studies to show that uh, by early introduction um, of food um, in infants, you can actually prevent um, allergies uh, especially in high-risk um, children. Um, those are the things that uh, we are able to better understand, but I don't know if there is a way to completely prevent or uh, treat or uh, resolve allergies once they develop. Yeah, and I, and I should have asked you at the beginning, why is this important to you? Why do you study allergies and, and things like this? Is there a um, like an unfortunate personal circumstance that's governing this or like? Um, so when I, studied in India. I went to med school in India before, you know, coming for residency to the U.S. Um, so I, I um, worked in an underserved um, area where I used to come across a lot of allergies and immune disorders, kids, kids with uh, immune deficiencies, but we didn't have any resources to treat them, diagnose them, or do further. But uh, when I do, when I was doing my residency in New York, I had a chance to um, rotate in uh, Albert Einstein University Allergy Department, where I came across wide variety of uh, complex cases of allergies and immune deficiency. It was fascinating to me. Um, I was totally blown away uh, um, by the kind of variety and complexity, and that's that's how I got interested in um, allergies and immune deficiencies. Okay, great. Well, how do people find out more about you and your work? Where can they uh, go? their websites or they google you what's best um they google me i'm i know i'm associated with the university of washington and uh, um and there are things um that we do it's uh, it's there in the website and that's how people get to know me um overall okay well very good larry thanks for coming i appreciate it and i know this is a problem and you know i have asthma myself and i've experienced allergies and probably everyone listening either has or knows someone that experienced this stuff so it's not alien it's very pervasive so thank you for being here i appreciate it thank you for inviting me and giving me this opportunity to share happy to be here you've been listening to the finding genius podcast with richard jacobs if you like what you hear be sure to review and subscribe to the finding genius podcast on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and want to be smarter than everybody else Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.